If you'll turn your Bibles to Ezra chapter 1, and then I'm going to go to Zechariah here in a minute, but let me just do this really quick here. I'm going to share what I'm going to share in the context of the Lord building and restoring and establishing his house of prayer um, in Wichita and in the earth, and I want to encourage everybody on our team and those connected with us, and if you're in another ministry, we love that, but I encourage you to read the book of Ezra, to read the book of Nehemiah, add to it reading uh, Zechariah and Haggai, and I'll show you why, but these are the last movements of God in the Old Testament dispensation, and I think that has parallel purpose in these last movements in this New Testament dispensation that we're in, from Abraham to Jesus was 2,000 years. From Jesus to where we are is this. And I'm not trying to pick dates and do weird calendar things. But I am telling you that I think that we are in a great restoration time right now that's hurling us toward eschatologically the second coming. And part of that purpose is the restoration of the house of prayer identity and culture within the body of Christ. And um, I think the Lord is liberating what's been hijacked by the enemy. The enemy will not just tempt you with darkness. He will hijack kingdom principles and things. I mean, in the second temptation in both Matthew 4 and Luke 4 of Satan against Jesus, the, the devil uses the Bible. He uses Psalms 91 in a twisted way to get Jesus to leap off a deal and misuse his scripture. He won't let you stump your toe. Angels will watch over you. And he was totally seducing Jesus with the Bible. And I had one guy get mad at me about 20 years ago as I said, you can actually sin in reading and using the Bible. And he didn't like that. He was a Bible guy. (laughs) But what I meant, you need context for that. And my context is this, is you've got to read the Bible and use the Bible under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Satan will use the scripture and use dynamic kingdom things to try to to seduce us into sin. And so I'm going to share this because I think this is the word of the Lord in the earth today right now. This is my primary mission in life. I'm re-signing up in it in this year after COVID, in this year after the death of two of my friends and my best friend in the ministry where we were working on this, man down, but Jesus up, amen? And so I'm recommitting my heart to this because I think the Lord is rescuing prayer from this pantheon, this list of disciplines that we're all struggling to do. It's more than that. Our identity is prayer. Our culture is to be prayer. It is a house of prayer where the supremacy of Jesus operates. It's a house of prayer where the government happens of the Holy Spirit. And I do not mean a ministry in Kansas City. Neither does the guy who runs that ministry. He's a Bible guy and says, the house of prayer is the body of Christ. And so the days are going to come to an end that everybody says, I just struggle with prayer. I don't want to pray. And the prayer meetings are so less attended. We're already seeing little pockets of that, but we've not seen anything yet. Ezra is the restoration of the temple after Solomon had built the original one. Moses had the tabernacle. God said in Exodus 25, I want to dwell with these people. I don't want to just get them out of trouble. I don't want to just get them out of Egypt. That's not my full destiny. I want to dwell with them. Exodus 25, you need to read it. Get an offering 
build a tabernacle just like I said, and Hebrews is going to tell us because it's like the one in heaven, because I want to dwell with them. God is the great reward of the gospel. He is the great reward that we get, not just getting free of enemies, we get God, amen? And the church is not going to think right, move right, until God becomes her prize, her treasure, and her governor, and that's happening, and a house of prayer is where that happens, I believe, with all my heart. And so Solomon builds it as a structure, the glory comes, they keep sinning king after king, judgment comes, the prophet said, I'm going to, the Lord kept saying, you keep disobeying and loving other lovers. And so as he had prophesied, he ships them down through Nebuchadnezzar into 70 years of idolatry, um, or at the idolatrous capital, I might say, and says, eat it, eat it for a while, deal with it. And that's what the book of Daniel's about. And then he had prophesied through Jeremiah 25 or before, it'll only last for 70 years. And then I'm gonna bring them back out and then I'm gonna restore the temple. And all of these have double illustrations, too much time to unpack, where he's talking about that time, but he's talking about the messianic reign. And it's glorious to read these passages. But Ezra is a map of sorts for us. Haggai, Zechariah, you'll see why they're important. It's a map for us in the building of the house of prayer. When Jesus in Matthew 21 stands there and says, my house will be a house of prayer, you know what he was standing in? He was standing in this building. He was standing in this tabernacle that was built by Ezra, or really Zerubbabel, and Joshua, okay? So this is where we see it built, and we see the process. So God moves upon Cyrus, who had been prophesied 150 years before he's ever born, that he would have destiny. A pagan king funds and fills the house of prayer, Ezra chapter 1. It's awesome how that all happens. Ezra 2 gives us a list that 50,000 people left Babylon. There were more Jews up there than then. There's going to be a couple other waves of them, but 50,000 responded to the national declaration by a pagan king that Yahweh, the one true God, had told him to build him a house. And so they make a four-month journey, really, from Iraq over to Jerusalem. That's what happened. 50,000 people traveled 680 to 900 miles, depending on how you, about 900 miles. They, they traveled four months They get back in Jerusalem. Nebuchadnezzar had made it rubble, the temple, the city. The walls are down. It's not good down there. But they come in fresh with zeal, fresh with a fulfillment. Like they'd just seen a pagan king give them all the money they want and set them free. This was a super, I mean, they're pumped. They make a four-month journey. They're probably a little weary, but they're pumped. Here it comes. All that Jeremiah prophesied, and they go to work. They go to work and they build. Does anybody remember what the first thing is they do? What they do? This is big. It's preaching to us. What they do, guys? They established the altar first. They didn't even start on the building, the temple. They did the altar that was in the outer court. That's where that was. And they reestablished the morning and evening sacrifice. And the blood begins to flow again. The gospel is first. It's always first. And so they establish the altar and the blood sacrifice then, they're, all, they're worked up, and this all happens in about a year, year and a half, they lay the foundation of the temple. And when it's done, there's this response at the end of chapter 3, where there's weeping and celebrating. The weeping's coming from the old guys and gals who remember the glory of the original temple, and there is a celebration from the young zealous ones, yes, revival's coming. And you could not distinguish the weeping and the celebrating, 
because it's a powerful moment. But then hell breaks loose. It always breaks loose. When we penetrate and begin to obey, the blood gospel gets established and the foundations get laid, which I think is the apostles and prophets and the word of God. It gets established, then trouble comes. Read Ezra chapter four. And that's what I'm gonna do here in a minute. In Ezra chapter four, if you will go with me there, actually, let's do that right now. In Ezra chapter four, after they've done this, there's kickback. And I'm wanting to talk to you tonight about responding to the kickback. And, and no, Michelle, I did not give you this passage. We'll, go, we'll get to Zechariah eventually. In Ezra chapter four, it says that the adversaries, now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to Yahweh, the Lord. When you see the Lord, it means Yahweh, the one and only Elohim of Israel. They and the heads of the fathers and the houses went to them and began a five-fold strategy to discourage them. This is not my sermon tonight, but I want to say it to you. The first one is, let us help you. We'll be your partners. They were lying. They were just wanting to mess up. But they're saying, make a treaty. The world's always offering us help. And the church has got to say no to it. We do not need their advertising strategies to build the kingdom. I believe this. The world's constantly offering to help us if we will compromise and be with them. They say no. Then it says down in verse four, then the people of the land discouraged them. They released discouragement in their midst to rip the courage out of their heart. And then it says, thirdly, they made them afraid. There's always a tactic of fear from the enemy. And then it says that they began to hire counselors, number four, to frustrate their purposes. They seeped in, they hired people to come in and release counsel. Counsel that was coming from the world that was destroying this thing. And then fifthly, the last thing, they begin to accuse. It begins down in, and again, I don't, I don't want to cover all this. It's not even my main service. It's all the introduction. They begin to accuse. They got governors and they wrote letters and they start accusing them of silly stuff. These people have got nefarious agendas. They just want to take over everything. That's what they're up to. They have a power trip. They have it. You can read through it. Just all these lies and accusations came. And the sad end of this, at the end, the last verse in chapter four of Ezra is this. Then the work of the house of God that's in Jerusalem stopped. And it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius the king. The fivefold strategy worked. Anytime you lean into the Lord, get ready. Anybody that's telling you, you obey God, do the right things, everything's gonna go great, they're lying. This is a war zone. Abraham obeys God, gets in the land, famine. Daniel obeys God and worships lion's den. There's always kickback. I'm not trying to be negative. Actually, the kickback is an opportunity for advancement in the kingdom. But this is what happens. And so the enemy comes in and actually gets the, the restoration, the prophetic restoration process of the house of prayer where Yahweh, the true God, in the city of the king Jerusalem is stopped through fake allegiance. Come be with me. Discouragement. Fear, hiring deceptive counselors and accusing them, and they stop. And they stop for 18 years. Did you know that? 18 years, altars there, foundations there, but it ain't the fulfillment of what God wanted them to do. 
you have an 18-year gap between that and verse 1 of chapter 5. Look at Ezra 5, chapter, verse 1. And the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, which was the leader of this and means one from Babylon, the son of Shealtai and Joshua, it's Joshua, it's Joshua, which is the Hebrew name for Jesus anyway, the son of Jehozadak rose and began to rebuild the house of God that's in Jerusalem and the prophets of God were with them supporting them. And this engages through the ministry of two guys and that's why you need to read, you need to read Haggai, two chapters, four visions in four months and Zechariah, 14 chapters, eight visions in one night from one guy and then some amazing prophetic stuff at the end about the coming king. These two books are tailor-made to ignite the restoration movement that has stopped. To them and to you. Everybody in here, or you wouldn't be here on a Saturday night at supper time, has been at some level, you've engaged the kingdom. You've engaged in the process, the prophetic process and assignment in your life. And I know 100% of you have got kickback around that. And all the kickback was to get you to stop your prophetic assignment. So you've had that five-fold hit at different measures in different ways. Anybody that's been hit by discouragement, say, oh my. Fear, accusation, it's coming, it's coming. Welcome to the war. You get a break for eternity from it later. That's not now, though. It comes, and it's to get you to draw back. And when the drawing back happens, listen, and I'm going to hone in on two things tonight. There's so many dimensions to this, but we're going to go to the book of Zechariah, chapter 3 and 4. That's where you want to go now. But there are two primary things that the enemy produces in them that have to be overcome for Zerubbabel and for Joshua to reignite the people. Joshua's the priest. He's over all that's gonna happen, the taking care of the temple, the sacrifice, the singing, all that. Zerubbabel's the governor. He's the practical guy, having to, without power tools, build a stone building, you know? So this is unbelievable. And so these are the two leaders of the two primary pushes, and they're completely have stopped. For 18 years, you... You had revival in Babylon. You had a pagan king sign and wonder. You made a four-month journey. You celebrated and got the foundation ready. Everybody went, woo! And then here came hell. Here came trouble. And then they stopped. And I'm telling you that what we're going to look at tonight, there are eight visions that speak into this, but two are real specific that are going to minister to your heart. They're ones that I want to walk on. The enemy's primary thing to keep you from working in what you're working in is to produce a culture of shame inside you and to convince you that you lack strength to do what you're called to do. These two primary things had to be dealt with in these two guys. And we get a pretty cool, again, these are night visions that Zechariah's having. And so if you'll go with me to Zechariah chapter 3. The fourth of eight visions was this one. I mean, what a night that was. You didn't get a lot of rest. He was yawning the next day, right? The fourth one is he sees Joshua. He sees Joshua standing. It says right here, 
before the angel. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And listen, watch. And Satan, not those other people that were doing the accusing, Satan was standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord, without Joshua even praying, says to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. And the Lord who, had chosen Jerusalem, the Lord who chose, has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. Is this man, Joshua, not a firebrand plucked from the fire? He's a brand plucked from the fire. I know what he is. Now Joshua was standing before the angel, and he was clothed in filthy garments. And the angel said to him who were standing before him, I want you to remove, take off his filthy, dirty, grimy garments and they said to him, behold, I've taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments and let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. Do you see the picture? This is Joshua. He's 18 years into being a failure. He's a failure. We read these things so quick. Joshua's not, that. this is a dream. But what he's doing is he's giving Zechariah Here's what Joshua feels, and here's what's happening in the spirit realm against Joshua. He thinks that it's all those people accusing him, but it's Satan. Satan is accusing, accusing, and it happened 18 years ago, but it's still happening inside his inner emotional culture. He is feeling shame, 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 and accused. And what Zechariah unleashes to him is here's what Yahweh's up to. He's going to rebuke the one who's accusing him. I love it. Joshua never prays in this. Never. But the Lord, the Lord sends Zechariah to ignite his heart, to peel the shame off of him, and deals with the accusation of the enemy and the dirtiness of his clothes. And the illustrations are obvious. It even interprets it within this. He's taking away. You need to go tell Zechariah, you saw him standing in the spirit realm. You saw Satan accusing him and tell him, I took care of it. I'm shutting the mouth of the devil and I'm actually reclothing him. He thinks he's standing dirty because he's a failure. That's a lie. I took the dirtiness off of him and I see him in white robes. This is true for every one of you. In the gospel, through the blood of Jesus, he has shut the mouth of the accuser of the brethren. And he has reclothed you in righteousness. But here's the deal. This is, has such practical implications. If you're living in a shame culture, you will not engage in the kingdom activity. I've been attacked at this at so many levels. And I loved somebody who made this delineation. Guilt is, our, is the bad, aberrant emotion I feel for something I did. Shame is the bad, funky emotion about who I am. Does that make sense? You do enough guilt, guilt, guilt. You feel guilt, guilt, guilt. Guilt will birth shame. Guilt is about a bunch of actions. Shame is about who you are. You with me? We gotta deal with this. I'm telling you the zeal of the Holy Spirit is coming after this in the body of Christ. We will not be the people of prayer in the house of prayer that he's called us to where glory comes and we help usher in the coming of the king. We won't do it living in shame, because the people in shame are gonna be leveraged and manipulated by every lying snake thing that comes out of the devil's mouth. He'll just whisper a word to you in your mind 
or he'll whisper it through someone else, maybe even close to you. And it's an accusation. And it's all to produce shame, which disempowers you from engaging in the calling. This is not the only problem here, though. The next chapter is going to deal with Zerubbabel's problem. And Zerubbabel's problem has got one of the most famous verses in the Old Testament in it. He said to me in chapter 4, verse 6, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace to it, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, to Zechariah, saying, the hands, and you need to tell him this, is what he said, the hands of Zerubbabel, I saw it 18 years ago, have laid the foundation of this house, and he needs to know that his hands are going to finish this. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me for you. For whoever, whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice. And you shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. That's another thing about the Holy Spirit. But here, let me, let me do this here. The priesthood, the dynamic of dealing with God is dealing with shame. The action part of us, the governor part, Zerubbabel, he's also equally discouraged Major discourage. And his primary discourage is, I don't have resources anymore. I showed up with 50,000 people. They were pumped about what happened up in Persia. We got free. They came and they worked really hard. The junk came and I lost my team. I lost my team. Everybody's discouraged. I personally am 18 years older. How old was Zerubbabel when he got there? I mean, maybe he was, I don't know, maybe he's young. But maybe he was 40. Now he's 58. I'm 54. I don't feel as strong as I did. Anyway. Labor, What? And 20 years of crud, and I failed, and I had to walk, he had to walk down. He was still in Jerusalem at the, the failing look of people. You did not get this done. We quit, we quit, we quit. And his primary obsession is, I don't have resource. I don't have the strength to do this. And so God, from heaven, through the pipeline of Zechariah, says, go tell Zechariah this. It's not by might. It's not by power. I have no interest in how much might and power he's got (laughs) i don't need it i'm the god of heaven it's by my spirit that i'll accomplish this thing he's got to change his mind he keeps doing the math on his resource house he's got to get his eyes on me and by the way he needs this prophetic promise from heaven that's as sure as anything his hand started this and his hand will bring it to completion that's a big deal what a promise I wonder what Zechariah, how he res- or how Zerubbabel responded when Zechariah said, I saw you, I saw, and because the, the vision's very elaborate about two oil trees dripping in a lamp and the supernatural resource. And he's like, go tell Zechariah that he's got to give up on thinking about how he can rally. I wonder how many times at night he thought, well, if I did this, this, and this, and we got this supply, maybe I could write to Cyrus, he'd send some supplies, and then everybody'd be pumped and we'd do this. No, that's not gonna work. And then he went, da, 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 da. No, that's not going to work. I've done this a thousand times. And the Lord's looking at him saying, I, do, I need you to break your addiction of dependence upon yourself. Because you will not accomplish. I'm looking at it. Listen to me. <laughs> I'm looking at it, and I love the body of Christ in Wichita. I love it. But I'm like, Lord, we just got kicked in the gut. It's been tough. Pastors are wore out. 
dealing with division over masks and vaccines and COVID and politics. <sighs> I hear them. I just sat with one the other night. Amy and I had dinner with a couple from a main church on the east. He's just weary. And then Dennis. He's like a kick in the gut. Weary went to wounded. And I'm looking at that thing going, we're out of steam. How could we ever see what we felt promised that the Lord was doing in the midst of the prayer room, in the midst of the deal, restoring the house of prayer in the city? There's too much distraction. Everybody's running back to their pen and just trying to survive. And I believe the Lord is trying to talk to me. I've been saying this to Amy, and now I'm yelling it at you. You must reject the shame from hell. You must reject the poverty from hell. <laughs> you must see as I see. And I see and I have done, I've rebuked the accuser, I've robed you in white, and I'm promising you, what you began, you're going to finish. Because I'm more committed to this than you are. Is anybody resonating with what I'm talking about? This is a big deal. Shame and lack of strength or weakness is gonna keep you in a prison of never finishing. And that comes largely from us going, man, it didn't turn out the way I thought. I've lost resource, screwed up a few times, unloyal in my heart, and now a bunch of time's gone by. And you just need to know that one moment under the anointing of Yahweh will make up for about 20 to 30 year, years of you wasted. Amen. One moment. I've watched it happen. It's happened to me a couple times. <laughs> Listen, Amy, I don't, I'm going to tell this real quick. What time? I've got legal time here. I showed up at a prayer meeting in June of 2015 at Christ Church. I barged in. I didn't know Dennis Turner. I'd never been in that building. Nobody invited me to the prayer meeting. <laughs> but I was committed after being in China and South Korea. I'm going to every prayer meeting I can find if I can find pastors praying. They'd been praying for revival for nine months. I got in that meeting. Listen, I get in that meeting. They let me talk a little. I tell the story. I said this last week. Stan Vandenberg, a spirit-filled Presbyterian, says, this is good news, Sam, because when I flew into Wichita to the airport over here, as I was landing, the Lord said, I'm, I'm going to bring revival to the city, and it's going to take more than Eastminster. And he pointed at me and said, call the city together. Now, that's a powerful moment, but he had no idea that there wasn't one ounce of ability for me to call the city together at that moment. He said, he said in a dinner, he goes, well, I said that to you because you knew all the black pastors in town. I'm like, Amy looked at him and said, he didn't know one of them, which I would have gone slower on that, but I didn't know any of them. I had no ability to do any of that. Dennis gets me in a chair, lays his hands on me, and commissions me to go forward and call the city to prayer. <laughs> I'm just saying this. I walked out of that room full of faith, full as a tick that had been freshly on mat, you know? Anyway, I don't know what that means, but... I was full of faith when I came back from China, North Korea, and South Korea. God said global consequences for what you do with prayer in Kansas. And I went in, and I wasn't in my right mind. And then they just added to my insanity. I was believing everything. So I called everybody, and everybody I called started taking my call. Started taking my call. And said, it's about time. Philip Wood, where's Philip? Philip's not here. Philip's looking at downtown. I asked him, how's the city? Not good, Sam. We need a fresh word and fresh leadership. And I stood there, oh. And again, this, I'm sorry, I don't mean this about me. I'm, I'm actually trying to make the point that 
I'm just a little snot-nosed guy that's been praying thousands of prayer meetings in El Dorado, Kansas. They were acting like I was the well-connected guy in Wichita. In the spirit, though, turns out, I was fairly connected. (laughs) I had oil dripping from places I did not know. And we laid some foundation, and we got an altar done, and then COVID, and the death of my buddies. Kit funded Cocorina Prayer. Kit had not done unity stuff in the city much. And he suddenly showed up and was, I'm in. He prophesied to me. Dennis was my number one guy. I'm not trying to get sympathy. I just feel kicked in the gut. I feel discouragement. I felt the fear. I felt the accusations. It's over. But I start reading Ezra and Zechariah and Haggai, and the insanity is returning. I'm going, what if? What if we could finish this deal? And it's not what if to me. I believe it. I do believe it. And I believe it for you. Your call may not be, although I believe everybody's called the house of prayer. There is no gift of prayer. We're all called to be part of it. It's going to happen. But you've got specific assignments in your life. You've got specific ministries and even other cities in this room. And I'm telling you this, that the enemy's been working overtime to get you discouraged and to stop the work. But the Lord is coming through this and more things. Watch, he's coming after you. This ain't the first time you're going to hear this word in different ways and different voices. He's coming to reactivate people who have stalled in the call. He is reigniting people who stalled in the call. And he's doing it through this word of I'm going to remove the shame and I'm going to show you another source of strength. It's going to take a miracle for you to see it. But I dare us to believe I am no longer satisfied with full buildings and a great talk. (laughs) We all, every pastor I talk to knows it's more than that. We want to see the activation of the house of God in the city where there's power and miracles and salvation. We want to see 24-7, day, day, day. It's coming. It's going to take a miracle, but it's coming. And I want to pray over you right now. Father God, I pray for every Zerubbabel and every Joshua the priest that's standing there feeling shame from the 55 bad things they've done and how they quit. I pray for fresh revelation that you have done damage against our enemy. That you've shut the mouth of the accuser of the brethren by your blood. Fresh revelation of the blood of Jesus, I pray. Fresh revelation of the robes of righteousness given to us. You are not looking at the state of our garments as we see them. You're giving us your righteousness. I pray for fresh revelation. And Father, I'm praying for everyone in this room that's been going out to the barn, checking how many cattle and how much hay, and it looks low. I pray for our eyes to lift up to the storehouse of heaven. You never, ever made this dependent on our strength. It's always been about your strength. So I'm praying for fresh revelation, freedom from the addiction of looking to might and power. We've been addicted. Might, take the might and power gauges away from us. And may we hear in our spirit, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let it resonate in the inner man of every person's room. By my spirit, says the Lord, and refresh their hearts 
that every assignment you've given them that they began, that may be delayed, that the hand that started it will see its completion. Thank you that you're a finisher. I pray this now for the whole city. I'm praying for the many zero Bibles and Joshua the high priest that feel shame and lack of strength. They're weary in our city. God, do a miracle that way. I'm asking thousands and thousands of leaders. Let them arise and let us step into our identity as a house of prayer where your miracles happen, your powers manifest, and your glory is advanced in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm gonna say something to you and forgive me for one of my gifts of the spirit is, is drama so that's just the way I roll sorry but it is dramatic the kingdom's fairly dramatic to me I felt like I was supposed to say out loud in front of you my wife and any that have audience from a nefarious dark kingdom but I'm all in on the restoration of the house of prayer in the body of Christ I'm all in on us getting a changed name. We gotta be done with Jacob and become Israel. We gotta become, I'm all in. And I wanna see this thing happen. I don't know how to fully, and I know, but I wanna give my life to us being who we're made to be. And that is a people who are dialoguing with Yahweh and moving out from that. Not ministry monologuing, trying to get something done for Yahweh the best we can think of it. It's just not gonna work anymore. So Father God, deliver us and do this. We'll stop counting the numbers and looking at the resource, but let your kingdom come and your will be done in Wichita and in Kansas as it is in heaven. I pray there would be global consequences on this earth because of what we do with prayer. Look everybody. And let Wichita be the pipeline. All of Kansas, pipe. Let business as usual be over. No more play in ministry and games. No more. And do bring your kingdom. Amen.